hello, and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, and I am streaming live from an underground bunker at an undisclosed location. No, not really. I'm actually in Moses Lake today, and I am super excited to have Hunter Schultz on today. He is going to be discussing direct primary care. We've talked about that a lot, but we're going to spice it up a little bit. We're going to talk about basically how you as a consumer can get a raise at your job and get better health care at the same time. Um, but we're going to go off on a lot of side tangents also because there's a lot of good information that we're going to discuss today for that's pertinent to doctors in, that might be in direct primary care or might want to go that way or for the actual consumers of healthcare also, or for employers it's for that, that spend millions on healthcare. So how, how to save them money also. So without further ado, Hunter, welcome to our show. Sean, thanks for having me. Yeah. Great to so, be here. Yeah, thank you. So give us a little bit of rundown about how you got into direct primary care. <laughs> it took being an expat to do it. <laughs> I moved to Panama in 2004 and immediately got involved in healthcare. And I'm giving you the thumbnail version. And I brought down air and water purification equipment, set up a distributor for it, and they immediately started selling to allergists, the air purifiers. And I spent a lot of time with doctors. So with that medical connection, a friend of mine said, hey, can you help us out with our lifelight service? I said, whoa, yeah, great. I'd love to, because there is no lifelight service here in Panama. It, there is a limited government response, but it's it, the U.S. Army used to do it for Panama before they left. And so it was, through the, it was through that service that I was put in touch with some former White House physicians. And they were the ones who taught me what great health care is because they have the world's most demanding patient. And so you learn how they think, you learn how they do things, which is very, very different at that level. And the more I studied it, because I was representing them, I had to, I had to learn how to sell it. I, I had to learn how to explain this. And the service was for high net worth individuals and families. And it ultimately mor morphed into Patronus Medical, which was co-founded by my medical mentor, Dr. Robert Darling. And Rob was a terrific coach over the years. And what I, what I learned from them, I kept thinking, God, I'd love to have this. I just can't afford it. So I looked at what are the attributes that we're really talking about. And those attributes amongst anyone who knows direct primary care in your audience will, will understand the idea that the president has steps away care very quick. He also has live-in care. So that's a little expensive for the average person. What if we did next day, maybe even same day appointments, but certainly there's phone calls. There are uh, telemedicine devices. I mean, we can beam into the patient's location. And I started seeing some opportunity there. So I started writing it down. I sent it off to Rob. I said, what do you think? He goes, well, you're missing security, but okay. That really doesn't apply too much, but privacy does. Focal point for care does, care continuity. All these things that are familiar with to DPC patients and people who are looking at DPC. 
And I thought, wow, I'm onto something. I mean, this could replace Obamacare, my ego check. <laughs> so anyway, I go on Google and I thought of a name and it was primary direct care. Okay, cool. I go on Google, type it in, and it said, did you mean direct primary care? Ugh. No, but okay. So I clicked on it. And the first article that came up that I found was on Dr. Jeff Gold in Marblehead, Massachusetts at Gold Direct Care. And I read the article and it was, it was spot on what I was thinking about. So while I was a little disappointed in my, my tardiness to the game, I was very happy that there was some affirmation for the thinking. And that's how I found direct primary care. It came from the White House Medical Unit and what they do there. What they have is primary care on steroids. I, I was under the impression that they had a whole bunch of specialists that were waiting for anything to happen. And I was also, I was expecting the Starship Enterprise, the, the, the latest and greatest uh, medical devices and, and diagnostics. Couldn't be further from the truth. And the reason is it has to work. So they don't use bleeding edge equipment. So you learn a lot about the care and you learn a lot about, about uh, how powerful, key point, how powerful po uh, primary care is. So the president has this awesome primary care. Uh, the doctors have a Rolodex like you wouldn't believe. And so that was, that was the, the roundabout route that I took. And I think it's terrific that, that we have this, this affirmation that the world's finest healthcare is provided to the president of the United States and that the average person can get real close to it. If you take out the security aspects and the assessment, being able to take the time to assess the president's health, which is, which leave no stone unturned was Rob's favorite saying. So you take a lot of that out and the costs drop like a rock and voila, you have direct primary care. Wow, what a great story. And I would have not known that if you hadn't told that story. It is interesting. I think we always, you know, me being a pharmacist in, in you know, in the medical field, I think we're, always taught, I think even doctors in med school feel this way sometimes about the primary care doctor, which is why a lot of doctors don't go into primary care because it's just not very, it's not very exciting. It's not very flattering. It might not be where you can get the highest pay. So they always go into specialties. And, but what you're telling me is the primary care doctor is probably the most important part of the whole picture with the president's health. So why shouldn't it be with our health, right? Exactly correct. In fact, one of the requirements they have to be a, a, a physician at the White House is emergency medicine, also field medicine, and family medicine. And that's, that's a big clue right there because primary care, i.e. family medicine, you have to know the 10 major systems within the body. You have to connect the dots. And, and then you know which specialist is the most appropriate you may want to have on deck in case the yeah. president needs help. And when they travel, I mean, Rob used to travel all over the world, checking out hospitals to make sure 
do they have the capability of, of handling the president's care? And if not, we're going to park an aircraft carrier or an amphib assault ship offshore, which they did for Obama on his trip to Africa. They, didn't, they, did, they had an amphib ship offshore within helicopter range. So amazing amount of, of dot connecting, but you need time to do that. And, and that's what was so striking that it was, Rob told me once, we were discussing uh, a fishing lodge here in, in Panama called Tropic Star Lodge, world famous for uh, sports fishermen. John Wayne, uh, all sorts of, of stars have gone there over the years. And their medical help there, they were, they're looking at what they can do to up their medical response. And I said, well, Rob, the problem is they don't have, really have facilities there. He said, you know what? I can do, you'd be amazed what I can do with a phone. Lesson learned. Yeah. It's the, two most par- the, the most powerful medical tool a doctor has right here. Yeah. Using their ears. To listen, the patient's going to tell you what's wrong. They well, tell you yeah. if you have time. If you take the time, that's one of the things that direct primary care can do. And the other thing you mentioned too was um, their Rolodex. And I will tell you from working with hundreds of DPC doctors all over the nation is that that's what they do. You talked about this doctor at the White House orchestrating, you know, a facility aircraft carrier for a hospital. I mean, most DPC doctors, the average DPC doctor probably can't do that but they can orchestrate whatever they need to, to get a hold of specialists to care for their patient. And it's amazing when I, if I ever have a question on what kind of specialist to go to or where to do this procedure, what to do this, how to save money on any kind of healthcare, any kind of healthcare expenditure, I just text one of my DPC doctor friends because they'll know. <laughs> That's right. That's the focal point for care. And I, and I have to say that, that in, in learning about the, the medicine at the White House, the backstory of how it happened was uh, Dr. Connie Mariano was the tail end of H.W. Bush's administration. She came in right at the end, and then she, trans- she stayed there for President Clinton. And it wasn't long after that that she was, um, she was called up to talk to Hillary, and Hillary interviewed her and, and said, yeah, she's going to be the physician to the president. And... Her book, The White House Doctor, My Patients with Presidents, is an awesome read because it, it tells of all the, the improvements. She decided right then and there she was going to create the world's finest executive health program. And so she's the one who did this huge uplift. It was kind of, I don't want to say informal before that, but President Bush's doctor, 41, had um, he had a civilian doctor and now the doctors are military and the the reason the military doctors are done is that you can check you can check the security from a professional standpoint you can see their medical history how they treated patients how they the rapport they had and then there's also the uh security aspect because now you're at you're at the biggest, uh, you're at the, the holiest of the holies as a, as, a white, as a Yankee white level one, which means you can go into the residence unescorted by the Secret Service. 
you have a level two or down, there's two, there's Yankee white level two and Yankee, Yankee white level three. You're always escorted by the, the, the secret service. You have those two. So, um, the, the, the White House, the White House doctor, My Patients with President, is a great book to buy for anyone thinking of getting into medicine, especially, especially young women, because she went into a man's world and she kicked rear end too. It's, a, it's inspirational. So I recommend that, but it's, it's another way of learning how they think. And one of the things that I never would have never would have thought of until I saw a picture of Rob holding a, uh, a submachine gun with a whole bunch of, of Secret Service agents. And I said, what's, what's this? And he said, oh, yeah, I used to train monthly with the Secret Service, <laughs> attack on principal training. I'm like, okay, tell me more. Oh, yeah, we go out to Beltsville, Maryland, where the Secret Service has this facility, and, and we drive cars through. And what I thought was mind-blowing was they're trained to stay out of the kill zone. So if something happens, they hold back. And, and they're listening on the radio, listening to the Secret Service. So they have to know the nomenclature. They have to communicate, which is something that, that Dr. Connie inst- instituted, that we need to know what you're talking about, and you need to know what we're talking about. So they would do this training and... and uh, so Rob would do once a month go up and he was taught to stay out of the kill zone until the secret service ca- gave the all clear. Cause if you have a sniper and a doctor's first reaction is going to be, Oh my God, it's, it's a human being. Now pump that up on a, on a truckload of steroids and knowing that your primary focus is caring for the president of the United States. You could have a hundred people lying on the ground, but your focus is on right. the president. So you, your natural, you know, your sense of being a physician, and also it's the commander in chief, <laughs> you want to go help him or her, depending on who it is. So your secret service is like, no, 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 because the sniper will take you out because you're the caregiver. Oh, great. So they're, it's a very, and they train and train and train. And that was not just the docs, but if memory serves, it was the paramedics and the nurse practitioners and the PAs, the physician assistants, because they have all of those at the White House. Yeah. And, uh, and then they have a staff, but they are they're truly a remarkable group of people. Great and story. And so much. A great story and how, you know, we can actually uh, make that work in the civilian world with just uh, real people like you and I. I mean, that's the cool Absolutely. part about it. It trickles and down. when you have it, when yeah. you have it, Sean, it's, it's such a it relieves a lot of the angst of what, what people are going through right now. There's a, the, the, the FUD factor in healthcare is enormous in the U.S. We don't have as much of it down here in Panama, where I live, because primary care is inexpensive here. Go to the doctor, it's 40 bucks, and you don't need insurance. You right. know, they don't ask you for your insurance right. card. You know, and Americans come down here, they're like, what? And then the doctor gives you the business card with their cell phone number on it. <laughs> They're having kittens over that. They're like, whoa, I can't yeah. believe this. So um, I, think it's, I think it's 
important for people to understand that when you have your cell phone, when you have the cell phone of your doctor, you're able to contact them via chat. You're able to communicate with them and ask them, you, you know, the questions you would go to Dr. Google on. You know, they have the time to be able to respond during the day. And they set, the direct primary care docs will set priorities and say, okay, call me at any time if this happens. Otherwise, send me a text and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. And usually they have a second phone number. And I can tell you what it's like to have that on a Sunday morning. I had a, I had a foot pain in my right foot. And I thought, oh, wow, this is bad. So I texted Javier, my doctor, and I said, Javier, I got a bad pain in my heel, my foot. And he said, let me guess, you've been, you've been walking around on tile, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, I was. <laughs> He's heard this before. So he said, okay, what you probably have is plantar fasciitis. Yeah. Fasciitis, fasciitis. And he said, okay, I want you to go to the, go to the pharmacy, put on some, some sneakers, go over to the, the, the pharmacy, which he knows is right near me. He knows where I live. He goes, there's a farm, because I live right next to a hospital, so it's kind of convenient. I go over to the pharmacy, I get 10 pills two times a day, and within an hour, pain's gone. On a Sunday morning. Right. No charge. And now, and included. now, right, right. And now, wear, wear shoes, don't walk barefoot on tile. Right, <laughs> flip-flops. I forgot my, my flip-flop, because that's what you wear down here, because it's so hot. Right. But, I mean, I don't worry. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, he's on speed dial. If it's, and I know when I should call him. He knows also that I'll probably do some research. And I did before calling him. I forgot to mention that I did a little Googling just to see. Yeah. And about three of the results says it's a sign of a heart attack. <laughs> Come on, really? No, it's not. So he's like, no, no, no. I, I joke with him about that. I said, you know, it said three of these results that I was having a heart attack or you know, impending heart attack. He starts laughing. He goes, Dr. Google again. Huh? I went, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's, that's uh, the, the FUD factor we can reduce up north with direct primary care. Absolutely. Enormous. So on that subject, one of the barriers we have in the United States is we have employer-sponsored health insurance. And typically, uh, traditionally, employer-sponsored health insurance doesn't pay for direct primary care doctors. They have network doctors that they tell you to go to, and it's just a nightmare to negotiate through, to navigate through the system um, for patients and doctors alike. Most doctors don't like working in those systems, and most patients are, you know, pushed around here to there. Appointments are, are you know, way, way out, booked out. So the pushback we get a lot of times is, well, I have employer-sponsored health insurance, um, so I don't really have a choice where I can go for, for medical care. Um, you recently shared an article with me that hasn't really been published yet, but it talks about how to get a raise and kind of better health care at the same time. Can you talk about that article? Yeah, sure. You're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, a, it's such a catastrophe up there. And, and there, there's, a, there's a couple of different dots to connect, and that is most people don't know what great care is because they've never had it. Yeah. It's, it's been gone for a long time. 
so you have an unknown unknown. They don't even know what they don't know. And my dad told me long ago, he said, you know, son, there are four reasons why you're going to be hired. Make money, save money, solve problems, prevent problems. If you can do those four things for an employer, any one of the four things, you will probably be hired. Okay, great. I started thinking about something that in this day and age, in this economy, what's going on, you could apply that same rule to go in to get a raise. And most people, when they go in to, get a, to try and get a raise, a lot of times they go in with, you know, boss, I, the costs have gone up. I mean, I, I need more to live on. You know, it's, it's, it's not a very powerful message. It's not a powerful enough reason uh, your, mo- your boss might be compassionate, and you may get a little bit. But I, I would suggest do what Steve Jobs suggested, and that is think different. And when you connect the dots about why healthcare is so expensive, and you start to see it, there's a lot of money left on the table every year by employers not paying attention to what's possible. And that's crucial. So... You have, a, you have someone who is employed by a firm. They read the article, which is called Getting a Raise in Uncertain Times. And what they'll find is how to recognize whether their current plan is leaving money on the table. And if there's money on the table, what that usually means is they have a passive insurance plan where the insurance company is running the whole thing. If you take out your insurance card and you see a, a big name on it, like uh, what, what are called the Bucas, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Aetna, if you see that on it, the odds are you have a passive plan, which means they, they take over, they manage it, and they make a lot of money off of all the employees and the business. And the executives, unfortunately, the CEO or the owner of the company, they don't know the questions to even ask. They're clueless, not because they're stupid, they're just ignorant. And so my thought was, well, let's do this article that shows people how to get a raise, but do it with making more money, saving money, solving a problem and preventing a problem in mind. So you go in and you, I give the videos, I give you the education, what, what videos to watch, to learn, so you're well briefed. Then you can write up a little report, one page that gives, here's the background, here's what I've discovered, here's where I'm, I'm sure we can, we can save a lot of money, and I will send you the links so it's convenient via email to the videos that I watched and discovered a whole new possibility for saving money. And by doing, by going direct, by going to an active plan and and cutting out the middleman, everyone in the company can get a raise. And in fact, in one of the videos, uh, there is the health plan administer for the state of Minnesota that said that she saved the state $121 million and every state employee got a raise. And they can't print money. They, they're using taxpayer dollars, they're not the federal government. So there's an opportunity here to, to go into your boss's office and say, 
hey, I think here's a possibility for us to get a raise just from not spending more out of pocket. Even deductibles can be eliminated. Then the boss looks and goes, okay, I'll consider that. And I said, here's the, you can say, here's the article where I got the idea from. And here's the, here's the key in the article. I have, I have some, some helpful advice for the CEO, which is no CEO worth working for is going to bitch you out for, you know, get out of the office. I don't want to listen to this. You know, that would be, you know, so yeah, I'm kind of dropping a subtle hint there. No, you don't want to do that either, CEO. You want, in this kind of environment, <laughs> you want creativity. You want innovation. You want people thinking, how can we save money? If anything, just to save your job. So you want that, Mr. CEO, Ms. Business Owner. That's the kind of thinking we need. So what happens? I mean, you, you, can, you, can, you can watch the videos and see the employees talking about how they save money, how they feel now by having a key component of this is direct primary care. Without that, it doesn't really work because you're offloading a lot of the stuff that would go to specialists and a lot of extra cost and deductibles and co-pays, and you're dropping that down into the primary care space. But the secret there is, is that direct primary care is high-impact, comprehensive primary care, which is something that most people don't know. But boy, when they have it, on my old show, Winning Healthcare Food Fights, I interviewed some direct primary care patients. And the question I asked was, would you willingly go back to the old system? No, no, <laughs> no, hell no. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. You'll never give it up because you realize, oh my God, the time savings alone because of productivity. You're not sitting in the doctor's office. And I guarantee you that if you're Let's just take, I love the example of a single working mom and how many of them are there in the U.S. So you got to humanize this. This is a lesson for everyone in explaining direct primary care, whether you're a physician or a patient, because we need to do a better job of communicating this. Single mom, single working mom wakes up in the morning, two sons, one seven, one nine, seven-year-old has an earache. Now what? In the old system, the current one, it's, hello, thank you for calling the doctor's office. <laughs> Our normal yeah, business hours. Right. So if this is an emergency, go to the urgent care or the, okay, great. Yeah. But what people don't, I mean, that, that, might, that might sound like, well, that's typical, yeah. But there's, there's another phone call she has to make. What's that phone call? Hello, boss. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to be late today because my son he's got an earache and it's really bad and I'm going to have to take him to the office. So I'm probably not going to be in for till at least 12, maybe longer. And you got to think single working mom working very hard to take care of her kids, but she's also a hard worker at work, but she's got to be thinking, I know my boss is really a nice person and she'll, she'll, she empathizes. She has kids, but at some point, if this happens often enough, yeah. I'm going to get passed over for a promotion or I might not get a raise. Now, that may be totally untrue, maybe totally, but it's the fear. It's human nature. Right. I got to make the phone call to the boss. 
No one likes making that phone call, guaranteed. So instead, with direct primary care, speed dial. And I'd, I'd also add, here's, here's a question that, that Medicare for All is looming on the horizon. I would ask that same question. Single mom, seven-year-old, nine-year-old, seven-year-old has an earache. Under Medicare for All, what happens next? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, I, well, we, we, we don't know. Right. No one knows. No. You don't know. But with the, I call it, I, I don't have a name for uh, the plan. I just call it a better plan for all, hashtag, would be direct primary care, getting, getting health savings accounts sorted out. So you don't need insurance to be able to use a health savings account for direct care. That would be a huge improvement. But I also think there's another thing here that, that you, you're not going to get everyone switched over to a new plan. What you do is you do a do-over. <laughs> Remember when you were a kid and it didn't work out, do-over? <laughs> well, what you do is you, a whole new system, a whole new program is created based on direct primary care as the foundation of care. And then you don't, have, you don't switch everyone over. You don't force them. You enable that system, make it as good as possible, and then the people who are already in direct primary care are going to go to that right now. And then there will be others that will uh, go because their coworkers rave about it. Uh, that happened in Union County in, uh, I think it was South, North or South Carolina. The employees were on their, face, on their Facebook group raving about direct primary care. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay, I'll sign up. So you're, let's put it to you this way. The average person is going to listen to their friends, their coworkers, or their family before they're going to listen to me or anyone else in the media or any doctor. The other question I think is a really good one to ask that we should be asking, including patients, DPC patients and doctors. We don't have benchmarks. So a question I like to ask is, how do you know you have great care? You know, dead silence. Right. I don't know because people don't have the benchmarks. Yeah, Part I mean, of the no, that, nothing to compare it to. Right. They don't know. Once they do know, Katie bar the door. Then they're then they're a lot more you know um, educated. They know what to look for. They know the questions to ask. Doctor, how how long do your appointments last? I mean, huh? My last one was eight minutes and out the door, 20 minutes and half the time the doctor was on the computer filling in billing codes. Okay. And then this, we, we have so much, think about the impact of a better plan for all of us. Less FUD, we'd be taking a big sigh of relief, we'd all be getting better care. And America would be more competitive because we're saving a lot of money from a, from think of your a potential employer looking at the states as a way you know a place to open a, a manufacturing plant because you want to be close to the you know the biggest market in the world. Well, I got to tell you, there are people who would love to do it, but healthcare costs are the tapeworm of American business, as yeah. Warren Buffett said. If you can wow. control that, 
And there are the 30, imagine this, 30 to 60% savings. I had Dr. Craig, Craig Shute of Lafayette, in Lafayette, Louisiana on my show. And he was talking about a 13 employer, uh, 13 employee company. He saved them 60% on their healthcare. That's huge. That's, That's a huge change. impact. Yeah. And, and there are bigger companies that, that can save a mountain of cash just by becoming, a lot of companies are, are um, they are, what do you, I, I forgot the term, but they're not passive, they're, they're active, but they self-funded. They, they, they're paying out of pocket. You just don't know it because there's a Buka logo on your insurance card. So they manage it, but they're still making a lot of money and you can get rid of a lot of that. So by, you're talking 30, 40%, and that's not even prescription drugs. Yeah, I mean, that's a chunk of change. And just think about, you know, the big employers, it's millions of dollars. Yes. And I, I want to bring up something because you're a community pharmacist, right? That's correct. Well, I grew up with a community pharmacist, Viola Bland of Bland Pharmacy. I remember her now. And Bob Stensby, the other pharmacist. And they were part of the healthcare team. I mean, they, you know, I had one prescription that, that I remember Bob, Bob looked at it and went, hmm, this, let me call your doctor. I want to double check something. Called the doctor. Two minutes later, got the answer. Good to go. But the community pharmacist, I mean, they all knew me. They knew my dad. They knew the family. They, they knew when, hold the phone. This, I don't, this isn't right. This, there's something, I'm going to double check this. And that's something that a lot of people don't, you know, they think CVS, they think these big, you know, they're open 24 hours. Well, the person behind the counter doesn't know you from squat. No. And, and medicine, a key point I make in my book, The Expat Health Guide, is that medicine has changed. It's personalized. And it changed the, the old system I call it the Titanic because it's not designed right. The Titanic, the medical Titanic, hit the iceberg July 26, 2000. That's when President Clinton announced the first mapping of the human genome at the White House. That's when every doctor knew, uh-oh, it can be done. It's sort of like all the mountaineers knew when, when Edmund Hillary got up to the top. Reversed, yeah. Yeah. However, I would, I would point out it was the second descent that was almost as important. And the reason is it was replicable. It wasn't sheer dumb luck. Yeah. That's, that's something. Apollo 11, Armstrong on the moon. Wow. Apollo 12, we can do it again. And that's something to remember. And that's, that's something with, that, with direct primary care. It's being, this is all being replicated over and over again all over right. the country. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant how simple it is. And one of my dad's favorite sayings, there's majesty in simplicity. And it's so true. It is. Boy, you've got a wealth of knowledge, Hunter. Thank you for educating us today on direct primary care. And, and I love the stories that you've shared and the analogies that you've given. Um, you've definitely helped realize our goal of this podcast, which is to educate and empower consumers to take charge of their own health. 
And part of that is financial. Um, patients have to drive consumers, which are the patients, they have to drive that piece of of their health. They can't let an employer dictate all of it. They can't let the government dictate it or they'll get bad care at a high price. So it's important that consumers are empowered to take charge of their own health and that includes financial. So um, thank you for sharing that with us today. As we wrap this up, I'd like to ask you, what do you have a passion for? What's your passion? Passion. Um, well, I'd say my number one passion was racing cars. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I was a Ferrari Club of America driving instructor. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and just driving on a track was, was and is my passion. I wish I could do more of it. I haven't done it in quite a while. There's one racetrack here I'm dying to get on. But uh, other commitments uh, taken, taken center stage. But driving cars... And then the second, the second passion is, is exactly what I'm doing now. And they're, they're, they're equally fun and challenging. And if you, give me, if you give me enough time, I can equate racing, driving cars on a track to healthcare. Yeah, Goodness right. And consistency, you know, driving. It's, so anyway, those are the two things. But what I'm doing now, I love. Good. And, I'm glad to hear that. Educating people about what great healthcare is and how to get it. Awesome. I love it. So if anybody has any questions, um, how can they get a hold of you? Well, they can, they can go on Twitter at Presidential Med, which kind of makes sense because that, that's a conversation starter because I'm not a doctor, but it's a conversation. Well, where did that come from? And then you get the conversation going. The other thing is uh, you can get me on uh, the website, Expat Health Guide, the contact page. And I might add that the guide is for it's also for expats to America. So it applies to Americans too, but it is geared towards expats. And uh, there's a contact page there. So HNS at Expat Health Guide. We will put that in the show notes when we have it edited. I, I appreciate you being on today, uh, Hunter. Um, My pleasure. Yeah, lots of great information. So thank you for being on. Thank you, listeners and viewers, for tuning in. And we will be live again, 1230 to 1.30 Pacific Standard Time Monday. We'll have Amanda Nelson on. She's going to be talking about the benefits of red light therapy. Uh, So you don't want to miss out on that. Thanks for listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you so much. 